we're really, really happy to announce that um, that we are just signed a an ambassadorship program with Schedulicity. Schedulicity is a scheduling app, and um, they've been kind enough to uh, to help us out this next year. Yeah, they uh, we met them in L.A. when we did the uh, Salon Digital Summit, and they really believed in what we were doing mm-hmm. and how we were doing it, and so they wanted to know how they can partner up with us to. Uh, to even reach more listeners and, exactly. and give what we give. That's that's right. So um, with our uh, with our partnership with uh, Schedulicity, we will be able to reach more hairdressers and we'll be able to bring a lot more content and get to a lot more hair shows. So uh, hopefully, we can see you guys out there in the hair shows when we're there visiting. Yeah, and and they're going to give us a, some business tips uh, throughout the podcast as well. And I'm so excited that you know. We're partnering up with people that believe in the same things we believe in. Yeah, no doubt. That, that, that's pretty exciting. So uh, anyway, Schedulicity, once again, big shout out to you. And uh, thank you for joining your day off. <laughs> Silly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. Of course, I sit with my best bud, Tony. What's up, Tony? What's happening, brother? Um, I'm super stoked about our guest today. Yeah, which we're you know we're trying to crack into more of this field, the barbering side of yeah, yeah, no things. Doubt. And the and our guest today, I mean, not only he's a coach, he's a mentor, he's an educator, but he he's really kind of like have a heart like we have. You know, he he had a, a phrase one time, and he goes, "Serve your needs by serving the needs of others." And when Ooh. I read that, it it just connected with me because. That's kind of, you know, who we are. Right, exactly. What we're and, trying to build here, right? Right. So, and then, you know, <laughs> the more I investigate this guy, the more that I'm learning about this guy. You sound more, a little smitten with this guy. Yeah, I'm totally, <laughs> man. He, uh, you know, he, he's doing great things and, he, and he's doing great things for others. That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, uh, real quick, we'll get right in. So, we're talking to Tariq Jackson today and just... um. So how we how we got to know Tariq was we uh, we were when we were at IBS the next day we came home and um, I was looking at IBS's live and Tariq was on there just throwing down knowledge and like within seconds I don't even think he was done with this class before I reached out to him I was like we need to talk we need to bring you on the podcast because you're uh, you, you're speaking truth and, yeah uh, and that's what we like you know so uh, should we get in yeah let's bring him so Mr Tariq Jackson all the way from Philadelphia welcome to your day off. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the encouragement. Um, all the nice things you guys said. I'm just, you know, I have a heart for this industry. It's done a lot for me and my family. Um, and so the the IBS you were talking about, I remember. I remember you sending me the message <laughs> because um, it, it's interesting how I've I was in cause and I'm focused more on barbering, but it's still part of the same industry. And years ago, I wanted to be sort of the conduit between um, cause and barbering. And it wasn't as embraced. When I was doing shows, that IBS was actually the very first show I ever went to as a young stylist. And I was 18 years old in cosmetology school. And I said, one day, I want to be on that stage. But not because I wanted to be famous, but because I wanted to be impactful. 
And, um, and then you guys saw, I, I taught at IBS for years and I left the industry, but at that time, um, in, you know, the two early two thousands, barbering was sort of like the armpit of the hair industry. Right. It, did, it didn't have a voice. It didn't have a face. Um, you'd go to the IBS and there's two booths and maybe a couple booths that had like some razors or something. And that was just about it. You know, well, clipper companies were there because, you know, cosmetologists buy clippers, but, um, it yeah, was even, really, really hard. Even barbershops, today's barbershop versus barbershops back then are completely different too. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, before there used to be this, you know, red, white, and blue pole, uh, you know, people just line up, sit in the chairs and, and wait to, to be, you know, called next. And it, it's completely different today. It, so the barbers have totally uh, embraced this change and they, they're taking it to the next level. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, every, the most interesting part of our industry right now is what's going on in the barbering world. So before we get to your story, where are you from? Where did you grow up? So I'm actually, um, most people say I'm from Philadelphia because my school's outside of Philadelphia. I'm from Lancaster County. I was born and raised in Lancaster County. I still reside in Lancaster County. Um, I have several barbershops here in Lancaster County. Uh, my school is technically in Norristown, but it's Montgomery County. Um, which is the greater Philadelphia area. And we're the only school within like 26 miles from that area. Oh, wow. And your school, is that a barbering school or? Uh, yeah, it's a, a yeah. yeah, it's a barbering institute. However, we teach everything. They're curling, they're coloring, they're relaxing. We do natural hair care. Uh, they're thermal straightening. Um, uh, we do it all. The man weave units, we teach everything because I don't want the students to be limited. You know, they might work at a shop where, uh, someone comes in or say they go to a shop and it's an all barber shop and they, you know, they, they might find themselves just adapting to that, or they might go to a shop that they need assistance with a stylist. And so they're able to assist. So it doesn't limit their opportunity for growth. Perfect. Wow. That's amazing. So how did you find the industry? Like what, uh, what's that story like? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I like to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so, like it's be a good interesting enough, my mom used to cut my hair all the time. I had the little Pee Wee Herman, you know, the little flip in the front and like a two all the way around. You know, I wore that for a while. I was a skateboarder for a really, really long time. So I was really into art and fashion. Um, and I got in trouble singing in math class. They kicked me out of class. They wrote me a referral and I had to go to the principal's office. I went to the principal's office and he said, so you like to sing? And I was like, yeah. He said, well, sing something now. I was like, no. (laughs) If you don't sing, you're getting suspended for three days. I was like, oh, no, I can't do that. Like, that's not going to happen. So I sang. And he was like, well, that was awesome. You're going to sing my talent show this Friday. I was like, no, I'm not. He says, if you don't sing my talent show, you're going to get three days out of school suspension. I'm like, oh, man, come on. This guy's the worst in the world. But it was the best thing that happened to me. Um, I had an idea. I wanted to go to college. I was taking college prep courses. And um, I took a lot of literature classes and art because I was going to go to art school to become an art instructor. And But I wasn't happy doing that. And so when I sang in that talent show, I got second place. And as I was walking out and walking home, the crowds outside, people were stopping me. And one guy in particular stopped me. He's like, man, that was so good. And he let me um, use his cell phone back then. I'm talking about 1993. So I'm not talking about these little cell phones. We had. I'm talking about big leather pouch, New Jack City leather cell phone. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. And, um, and uh, you know, my first, my first thought was this guy's a drug dealer. Like, 
you know, he offered me a ride home. I said, no. I'm like, I don't know this guy. He's got this big leather cell phone. The only guy I seen with a cell phone like that was Wesley Snipes in New Jack City. <laughs> so, so he says, you know, I know your mom. I know your dad. You know, your dad used to, uh, to bring you around, and I didn't know what he meant. And I'm like, okay, so maybe he does. And he said, you can use my phone to call. So I called my mom, and she said, yeah, he's good people. He can give you a ride home. So on the way home, he's going a way that's not towards my house. And I'm like, yo, where are you going? Like, I'm like, <laughs> like you know, I don't know what's up. He stops in front of his barbershop. And I was introduced to the barbershop. I didn't go in, but I was intrigued from the outside. So this guy wasn't a drug dealer. He was a business owner. So as a young teenager, I was like, wow, this is, this is okay. This is an okay guy. Uh, he drops me off my house. And I, I grew up where, you know, nothing's for free. And you show gratitude. And, and, and you give your service to people, uh, especially when people are kind to you. So I went back on a Monday, because uh, it was a weekend. I went back on a Monday um, to just say thank you after school for giving me a ride home. And um, they were closed, because traditionally barbershops were closed on Monday. Then I went back on Tuesday, and I walked in, I swept the hair up, and they was like, yo, that's the guy who was singing I was talking about. So I sang in the barbershop, and, <laughs> then, and, and then that was it. History, history was made for me. Um, uh, it was the, one of the best decisions I've ever made. Uh, I ended up um, brokering a deal. And I said, listen, I'll clean the windows for a haircut every, ironically, every Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got a haircut on Tuesday. And I was being strategic because I knew that being in a shop, I saw that on Saturdays, shops were busy. So I said, if I come on Tuesday, it's not that busy. I'll clean the windows. I'll get a free haircut. And I'll look good for the rest of the week. And so it worked out that way. And now I do Tariq Talk Tuesdays. But that's not why I do Tariq Talk Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> Just go with it, Tariq. Just go oh, with yeah, it. Yeah, right? Something about Tuesdays. <laughs> Are you still in touch with him? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as a matter of fact, um, I ended up cutting in the basement at my house. Um, he, there was an ice cream festival and, um, in town. We're like Turkey Hill. and We were big farm country, so big dairy. You know, they did this big ice cream festival. Everyone's downtown. And he had called me. He said, hey, I saw some guy downtown with this great haircut. Uh, his name was Bryce. And he said, um, you did that? And I said, yeah. And he said, yeah, Bryce said that you, you, you cut his hair. And he said, I recognize him. And he said, this little Puerto Rican kid down on Strawberry Street. I was like, they were, it's crazy. My name's Tyreek Joel. So the guy was saying Joel, but the owner of the shop was saying Tyreek. So they're like, Joel? Tyreek. No, no, Joel. <laughs> and they didn't know that the names was different. So anyway, he called me and he said, I'd love for you to come up and work at my barbershop. You can apprentice. And I was like, all right. He didn't know that the whole time I was at the shop cleaning that I was cutting hair. You know, he had no real clue that I was like really into like doing. I told him I was one wanting to do. It. I told him I was serious about it. But he really didn't know until he saw the haircut. And he was like, dude, you come up. So uh, I enrolled in cosmetology school, but I did go and do an apprenticeship program at the shop because there was no barber schools. Where did so you learn how to do hair? At cosmetology school. No, before that, like you said, you were like, oh, so you, okay, this is like while you're in cosmetology school when you were. No, no, no. While I was cleaning the windows and sweeping the hair on a regular basis, I was watching and observing. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't right. have, we didn't, I was in there watching. I'm, I'm observing. And then I was messing up every kid in the neighborhood. <laughs> Every kid, I was tearing them up. Moms was coming into the basement with their kid by the ear, you know, and saying, uh -huh. "Who told you 
that you can cut his hair. And I said, uh, it was free. Right. <laughs> End of story. Right. But so I just I just kept cutting. And so the guy that Bryce, who he saw I cut, was a counselor at the youth center around the corner. So I'm cutting all the little kids, and the little kids told him, and he came and got a haircut. He went to the ice cream festival, and that's how that marriage happened. Boom. Wow. Yep. That's, that's amazing. But I still see him. Yes, he owns a barber school here in Lancaster. One of the reasons that I didn't open my school in Lancaster was out of respect for him because he gave me a tremendous opportunity. I didn't want to be a competitor. He, you know, So I opened a school. It's an hour and a half away from me. Plus, there's no schools in that area, and there was a big need for it. Wow. That's right there speaks volume of uh, your character. Yeah, no doubt. So, um, so when did you, what year did you start cosmic cosmetology school? Uh, as soon as I graduated from high school, uh, interesting story about that was that was 1995. So in, in my, my real father was a, a former heroin addict. He had died of HIV in 95, two months after I graduated. And yeah. so I was already apprenticing in the barbershop. But I went to cosmetology school because I didn't know how to cut with shears. I didn't know how to do color. And I didn't want to limit myself. I wanted to make sure that any opportunity, like my live that I was saying today was, be ready so you ain't got to get ready. You know? And I didn't know I what other that opportunities. Phrase. Well, you like that? I love that phrase. <laughs> yeah, he wrote it down. Be, yeah. be ready so you ain't got to get ready. And I always sort of had that mentality um, because I knew I needed a license. I had to go to school. I could do it through apprenticeship, but I, I realized that I was being limited in what I was learning in the barbershop because right. it wasn't formalized education. See, the, the shop is for earning. The school is for learning. And so I went to school to learn. And so in 95, shortly after my, 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 um, my father had passed, uh, my mom and I, she enrolled me into school. And when she enrolled me into school, uh, the most interesting thing happened. She applied herself and we went to school together. What? Yeah, dude, listen, I was an 18-year-old kid trying to get out the house. <laughs> and the house is joining you. <laughs> and the house is following me. My mom <laughs> to school with me. And so the the, the, fun, the interesting story about that, and it's, it's all going to come together in a second for you. The interesting story about that is this, is that my mom couldn't go to school because she didn't have a GED. And so because she went to sign me up, I became sort of the threshold for her change. She couldn't, she didn't have her GED because when she was 17, she was pregnant with me in high school as a senior. So she gave birth in January, couldn't finish her senior year out. Right. And now here I am going to school and, um, you know, now, now, now that I'm going to school, she goes with me. And because she goes with me, I said, listen, Nobody's going to know that you're my mom or you do your thing. I'll do my thing. There's women in here. I'm trying to get me a girlfriend. You know, she says, all right, fine. I'll leave you alone. No problem. So I'm at school and um, first day of school, we go in orientation. She's my mom's beautiful. So they thought that was my girlfriend, but nobody said anything. Right. And we're in class and we're working and I did a zero degree cut. I started styling my hair and I was really proud because it was the first time I really cut with shears. I learned how to cut with shears because I was already clipper cut. Right. And the first thing I said was, hey, mom, come check this out. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom quietly walks over 
And she whispers to me, she says, you know, you done messed up, right? And I was like, I know. But I <laughs> so then everyone, I'm telling you, when I said that, you could hear a rat piss on cotton. It was, <laughs> it was so quiet in the room and everyone kind of stopped. And I could just feel all the eyes on me because I yelled mom. And then after that, I go to lunch and stuff, and the girls are like, we thought that was your girlfriend. I'm like, no, that's my mom. You know what I mean? Oh, you're a mama's boy. And it worked out great. So, oh, so, <laughs> so mom worked in so, your favor. So mom was good for the game. <laughs> mom was good for the game. But there was an interesting thing that happened. While at school, the local – and I didn't want people to know I'm going to school with my mom. Like, I'm an 18-year-old kid. Like, I don't want to go to school with my mom. Who wants to go to school with their mom? Nobody. Right. Right. right? So the newspaper gets wind because the campus director said, hey, we have a mother and son attending school at our school. So not only, not only do I not want the school to know, now the whole entire county is going to know because it's going to be in the Sunday paper. Oh, um, they come in, they do an interview, and they ask a few questions. Back in 93, it was taboo for guys to go to college school because you were considered gay and homosexual and all that. So they asked me. They were right up front. They said, do you feel that your masculinity is questioned? because you're going to cosmetology school. And I was like, I don't really care what people think. I really just want to cut hair so it doesn't matter to me at all. And my mom, right away, no, he's very confident with himself. And I'm like, this is exactly why. <laughs> to be. You know what I mean? She's like, I can, I can speak for myself. You know? so, so I'm dealing with this in the newspaper article. I still have the article too. Oh my God. Um, I'll, what I'll do is I'll, I'll send it to you guys in the DM so you could like read it and see it. So, oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'll send it to you. So uh, my mom, say, they say to her, what do you want to do? She says, well, I, I, I would like to get my teacher's license. She says that. Then they ask me what I want to do. I said, when I graduate from here, I'm going to work at Champ Hall's Barbershop. That's the guy who gave me an opportunity as an apprentice. I'm going to manage his shops. I'm eventually going to open up my own shops. I'm then going to get my teacher's license and then more opportunities will be afforded to me. I said that when I was 18 years old. Here Dude. we are. I'm 42 years old. I got a barber school. Everything I said that I was going to do, I did. I worked for Champ, stayed there for eight uh, uh, years, managing his staff, training his apprentice, right, which was preparing me. Went, mm -hmm. managed it like it was my own business. He wasn't even there. He went to another location. I was running that business successfully, did renovations, did all. So I understood how to run a business. I opened my own. And when I left, six of the guys that worked there were all my apprentice that I trained for his business. And when I say my apprentice, it's because he would say, hey, we need a new barber. I was calling people up that I knew that was at home cutting in, in their house. I'm like, hey, we need a barber. You want to come cut? And I would apprentice them and get them prepared for the state license. So everyone that worked in the shop were my apprentice at his business. When I opened my shop, I took no one with me. Wow. No one. They Listen, they all questioned me. They all asked. Maybe one or two guys kind of like, eh, you know, I'm cool. But that you can see that they wanted to leave. But, but out, of, out of the six, four of them were, they came down to visit. They were like, man, we should have did this together. You know, us, we could have killed it, blah, blah. I said, no. And I told Champ that I wouldn't do that to him because of the opportunity that he gave me. And so I didn't hire anybody. I built my own new staff. And so three months after that, at my first location, we had six staff at the shop. Uh, we were booming. And in, in, in a year and a half later, we opened a second location with 10 shares. That's amazing. First off, I want to just like give you a, a big high five because um, by you refusing to bring them on, 
you continue to apprentice them, right? And they knew why you did it, and 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 where it's so easy to jump ship. You're saying that 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 you know your your honor is more important than that, and and yeah, and, yep. that and, and you continued with the lesson. Yeah, I did a live feed um, that it was called "There's No Honor Amongst Thieves." And one of my live feeds, the reason I did no honor amongst thieves is because I had had four guys leave my shop. One guy who was my manager for about 11 years, did an amazing job while he was here. He left and he took four of the guys with him. And um, we had the conversation. This is how it went. He told me I want to open up my own shop. I said, dude, you've been here 11 years. It's about time. And he's like, man, thank you for all your support. You've been nothing but great to me. Background story. This guy called me out of prison. He said. Um, I got my barber's license. Um, I used to work at a shop. I got into some trouble, went to jail. I'm coming home in about three months. I'm looking for a place to work. I told him over the phone that I would leave a chair empty for him for three months. I said, I will not hire somebody and I'll wait for you to come. Gave him a job. He did phenomenal work for 11 years. When he left, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. When he said he was going to leave, um, I told him a school was shutting down. They got all kind of equipment. He got all kind of equipment cheap. I, we got a U-Haul together. We picked up stuff. We took it over to a shop. I helped him. I even went in and said, you might want to remove that wall and open this space up. Like we, we had a really good relationship. He ended, I said, I just need to know who's going to go with you. Who's not They're Like nobody's coming. I'm going to build my own team, blah, blah, blah. The day that he left, um, and we always remain, uh, friends and we talked all the time. The day that he left, uh, I came to the shop the next that same day, and I said, hey, guys, I wanted to talk to them. Like, who's leaving? I came in, and the shop was empty. Mm. And so um, it hurt me a little bit because I was really good to everybody. Um, but I, had, I said, I got to speak about this because I'm sure this is very common in the industry where somebody gets an attitude or whatever the case. And I, that wasn't the case for him. He established himself for 11 years. He worked here for 11 years. It was time for him to move on. You know, yeah. and um, he ended up um, taking everybody with him. And um, I thought that that was in, in some ways disrespectful. Um, in other ways, I get it. When I went to talk to those guys, I came to tell them, let's figure out if any of you guys want to move, how we can transition you out so we can maintain our relationship. They yeah. all knew. And them guys knew that when I left Champs, um, I didn't take anybody with me. So they knew how I was. And mm -hmm. for them to do that to me was very, very, you know, disrespectful. I will tell you this. It's been almost three and a half years. I just got a text message from that manager about three weeks ago saying, thank you for everything. And I learned so much about business because of you. And now I understand what you were trying to do with me when you were, because now as an owner, I understand the responsibility it took to do what you were trying to do with me. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, wow. that's unfortunately, uh, it, it costs, it, it was a major cost by the time he realized it. Oh yeah. Cause uh, we don't talk anymore. We don't have, we don't have, we don't have a relationship. Um, yeah. I sat down and met with him afterwards, you know, after the fact and here's, and, and I'm not a guy that I hate. I, oh my God. I hate when people do something for you and then they throw it in your face. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, I remember when I was a kid, uh, it was Easter coming up and my mom couldn't afford to buy us some shoes. And there was a, uh, a pastor at the time he had bought me some shoes 
And I was, oh my God, I was so grateful. I was so happy. I knew what I was going to wear. I was excited for Easter weekend. And uh, I went to the barbershop where I was cleaning and sweeping. And when I went in there, someone made a statement that they knew I had had these shoes. And it just, I was like, you know, so um, I saw the pastor again and I took him the shoes and he said, what are you doing? He said, you're ungrateful. I said, no, I'm not. And I used the Bible verse on him. I said, what you do in secret, God will reward you openly. I said, and you went to the barbershop. My mom couldn't afford to get me shoes. You bought me shoes and I was extremely grateful. But then you went to the barbershop and then you gained your own reputation based off of letting people know what you did. God was going to bless you regardless. And I just didn't think that you did it with the right intention and the right heart. So I don't want them. And I went to, I went to church with some bad shoes. So I'm big on don't throw it in my face. Every now and again, you do need reminded as you have children, you get kids, like you got your 18 year old kid that wants to move out the house. I'm like, you don't do nothing for me. You want to be like, hold on. Let me remind you. Hold on. Let's back it up. Let me remind you. That's, that's when it, that's when it's important to remind someone. So I went out to eat with Edwin. His name was Edwin. And we sat down and he came with his tail between his legs and his head down. He said, boss, man. I said, I'm not your boss man anymore. He called me Hefe. Hefe is like boss. He said, Hefe. I said, listen, my name's Tyreek. At this point, I'm not your boss. I'm not Hefe. And he, it was just eating him up like tag, like, you know. And he said, um, I'm really sorry that these guys acted like that. I told them to contact you. I told them that they should have let you know before they came and they didn't. And I'm sorry. And I said, you done? I said, you feel better? He said, yeah. I said, all right, let's rewind real quick. 11 years ago, you called me from prison. I held a chair for you for three months. Now you did amazing. You honored me while you were there. You worked the business. You did what you had to do. Everything was great. When you wanted to work at a barber school and I told you, get your teacher's license and I encouraged you and I trained you and I prepared you for that. They wouldn't hire you at the, at the barber school because you had, you were a convicted felon and I vouched for you. I stood in a gap for you and I told them that you would be an asset to their company and they hired you and you got a job. As a result, you found new people. As a result, you established new relationships and you began to grow in other areas of your life. When you decided to open a business, I supported you. I helped you. We got the stuff from the school that shut down. We got the U-Haul. We did all that stuff. Don't forget that. I'm not taking away all the years that you serviced and worked great. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. In the very end, when it was all said and done, you took the four guys that were working at the shop and they left with you. I stood in the gap for you when you was in jail. I stood in the gap for you when you couldn't get a job at the school. I stood in the gap for you and helped you with an accountant, with a business manager to establish your LLC and all that stuff. When I helped you do all that and stood in the gap for you, you didn't stand in the gap for me. You could have taken those guys, but we should have done it strategically. We should have had a plan. We should have talked about how that transition was going to take place. And you did it at the expense of my business and you've built your business and all those barbers built their entire business at my business to slap me in the face and say, we don't need you, no thanks, and leave. I promise you one day that they'll do the same to you because you showed no integrity to me. They're not going to have integrity for you. Mm. And that was, that was the last time we spoke until I got a text message 
the other day. Yep. Did he start it off with Hefe? He did. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> he took, as a matter of fact, I'll screenshot that and I'll send you that in the DM. <laughs> Maybe you can put that in the podcast when you, when you put the video. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's the name of the podcast, Hefe. Hefe. <laughs> Actually, that might have been I, I like it, Hefe. Right. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, that's some heavy stuff, right? That's, yeah, no doubt. Oh man. my God. It, but it happens all the time in our industry, you know? And, uh, it, you hear about it all the time, you know. No integrity. I mean, it, it's a catch twenty two though too, because if you are going to leave, you know, we're not the industry that gives two weeks notice, right? Most salons will cut you off right then. So it's like, you know, at, at the moment somebody leaves, it becomes a client grab on both ends, right? So I mean, and if you're going in by, I'm not excusing what he did. Let me be real clear, Tyree. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. know, it's just it's just real talk about you're how just giving perspective. Yeah, but it, it, and it's just it's just how the industry works, you know. I don't right. know anyone that's ever two weeks and they told them you got uh, two minutes to get, <laughs> two minutes to get out of here. Right. <laughs> well, but again, there's no integrity, and part of that live feed was this: business owners, you're not operating with the same level of integrity that you're expecting the barbers to operate with, and so we're not taught. We're taught that the industry standards and other businesses. You give a two-week notice. And so you try to do that, and they think that's the right way to do it. But I think when you're when – you're, when you're, that's corporation. When you're talking about mom-and-pop businesses, sometimes you know how difficult it is to replace somebody. You know how challenging it is to find a right fit for the business. And you're leaving. I left without taking anybody because I understood the importance of integrity. There's no honor amongst thieves. If I take you, you have no – you. I don't have integrity, and now I'm not expecting you to have the same level of integrity that I don't have. You know what I'm right. saying? Right, 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 so, right. So, so yeah, I'm, I get it. You're getting ready to leave. If if a if a barber says to me that they want to leave, let's have the conversation. When are you leaving? I've hired people knowing that they were going to come and only work for three months. I've hired people, and they say, "Hey, look, I'm going to leave in two months. You know, I want to let you know so that that way you get." And they stay two months. I didn't say, oh, you, you got to go. I didn't say, hey, you can't promote in here. No, go ahead. Do what you got to do. I don't have the mentality that when someone comes to me that they're there to stay forever. And I think a lot of owners, that's what they think. These are my barbers. You know, right. they're mine. No, people, it's a season. You know, like junior high school and high school, you didn't stay there forever. You went to elementary, to junior high, to high school, to college. You get married. You got kids. It's this progression. I, I understand that people are going to come for a season. L what does that season look like? How do we matriculate you out in the right way? How do we transition so I can bring someone else in? I'm always about development. And currently, that situation when they left, it still affects us now um, with our business um, because I don't want to just hire anybody in the shop. Right. I want the right people in there. I mean, that's just so like advanced and mature. I so mean, profound. Profound. Yeah. It's and, and just, I mean, mature. Right. I mean, you know, I like what he said about seasons, you know, we're hiring for seasons, you know? Yeah. But he's like, he, he's pouring into, uh, the barbers. Correct. And, you know, um, instead of saying, you know, here, I'm giving you this, but, you're mine. You belong to me now. Right. You know, he's not, it's like I said, it's, that's it, wonderful. Cause that's, 
very few I feel that has that type of mentality that, you know what I mean? Your, your, your perspective is that, you know what, I'm going to pour into you. You're going to become this great barber and there's going to become a time where you're going to do exactly what I did. You know what I mean? And, and I think a lot of people, they don't take that perspective. You know, they, they, they move on from where they were, open up a business and then they don't expect Someone else is going to so do it. I know it's kind of here, weird. Here, here's my understanding, though. Here's here's my philosophy, if you will. If I if I train you and I teach you and I prepare you, one, I'm preparing you to run my business the way I need it to run. At the same time, I'm developing the next guy who comes underneath you. I I put them alongside of you. You train them. When you leave, I have somebody who can take over your place. As I'm growing, you're growing. As I'm growing, you're growing. We're constantly growing each other. Uh, the the next thing that happens is. If you leave with integrity, if you leave with the right uh, attitude, we could be potential business partners. It could be a partnership. You might be trying to start your own business. Instead of hiding it from me, I'm the resource. Right. Ask me mistakes I made. Let's figure out how to help. And you might be like, hey, look, I'm, I'm thinking about getting this place. It costs a lot of money. I don't really know what step I need to take in doing this. But, you know, um, man, it just it's, I don't know. Well, what do you need? Just like I was helping him with the U-Haul and getting him supplies and all that stuff. We can be partners. Right. We, can, we can help each other. You're too busy, send them to us. We're too busy, send them to you. Or you need money to finance your business up front. I can help partner with you in that regard and then maybe get a kickback for a couple of years. And then we maintain a relationship. Listen, right. most of the guys that work together, we're here. We're spending more time with each other than we are with our own families. And sure. then when we do spend time together as families, you got a kid at birthday party. I got a kid with a birthday party. We're always together. So then when you leave, you sever the relationship between each other. You sever the relationship with the kids and you sever any, any potential opportunities to grow outside of just this. Right. I love that. You know, I want to, I mean, I can listen to you all day, brother. <laughs> I'm gonna need to. I think. I think I'm. I'm gonna job at one of the shops. <laughs> hey, so tell us about. Um, is it Broner Brothers? Mm-hmm. T- tell us about that. What's the? Uh, what was the Broner Brothers contest? Barbering contest. So Bra- uh, Broner. Broner. My Bron- apologies. My apologies, <laughs> Mr. Broner. <laughs> Broner Brothers is the largest multicultural show in the world. They started because uh, Mr. Nathaniel Broner. Um, developed a product, most like what most barbers are doing now. And he created a product. Um, and he basically, he was a supply guy that was moving supplies out of his car. Then he developed a product, Relaxer. Mm-hmm. And, um, and comb through texturizer. So the Jerry Curl and the, the hair relaxer that you see started at Bronner many, 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 many years ago in the 60s. And oh, wow. so what was happening is when, you know, the 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 African-American artists that were getting their little Richard and, you know, they're getting their hair slick to look like these, um, the, the guys in the band and they were styling and, and, and just traveling. That's what he invented. He created that. And so he was selling it out of his car and he established a company, built a multi-million dollar facility eventually over the years. And they've had the longest ru- uh, running show, multicultural, uh, 73 years they've been in existence. Uh, I got a, I got a phone call from them uh, in 2000 and 
five and said, we would love for you to participate in our show as a competitor. And I'm like, ah, it's not my thing. And they're like, well, you know, it's 25 grand. I was like, it's not my thing. (laughs) 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 And they said, well, you know, we like what you're doing. Your work is awesome. You're amazing at what you do. And we don't have barbers that do what you're doing. They saw some stuff. I did a print in a magazine. It's called the finest barber magazine. And in that magazine, it showcased a lot of my haircuts that it came across their desk. And that's how that introduction happened. And so I, I turned it down about three times. And then she said, Tyreek, what do I got to do to get you to compete in my show? I'm going to send you the competition so you can see what it looks like and tell me if it's something you want to do. I watched the competition, saw how the guys perform because it's more of a performance. It's right. not like you go into a hall and everybody's just kind of cutting hair and you're just standing there watching. You do that every weekend at the shop. Like you don't want to go into these competitions and just be looking at people cut hair and be like, okay, <laughs> whatever. That's kind of stupid to me. But anyway, um, it was on the stage. And I said, what are opportunities that can happen? She said, well, what do you want? I said, I'm a teacher. That's what I do. I want to teach. I want to educate. Can you, can you get me a classroom? Can you position me? She said, yeah, I can give you a booth. You can sell. I had DVDs. I had T-shirts. I had all kinds of stuff. And it was because I got turned down by Andis many years ago. And because I got turned down by Andis, I was like, I don't need no company. I'm just selling my own stuff. And so mm-hmm. I sold my own DVDs and I sold my own T-shirts. And I was doing that. That's it. And, then, and then I would go to a show and do extreme hair color at a booth. And this is a time before social media um, where, you know, you see like a hair god Zito and you see like uh, Wolf doing these, these crazy colored hair styles on men and women. And I was doing it in 2006. The hair color was glowing in ultraviolet light because I was a college student who understood how this works and there was no social media. So now I got a barber who's doing it and people are like blown away by it. So mm-hmm. I'm doing them. And at a show, a men's haircut, I was probably charging anywhere between 150 and 175 for like a, a color job in 2000 and something. And it was glowing in the dark. So it was like, it was like nothing. It was happening. It was like, so they'd come to get the haircut and then everyone's like, what is this guy doing? I ended up taking the job because she said she would give me an opportunity to teach. And I won. I was a rookie. Nobody knew me. They didn't know who I was, anything. I got a booth. I got classrooms. Everything she promised she did. I did what I had to do. And I won 25 grand. 25 dude that's huge man yeah three haircuts 15 minutes on stage 25 grand yeah that's awesome man so what did you what did you do with the money i bought a mobile barber truck what yeah i bought a mobile barber truck and then for about a year and a half we were servicing uh retirement homes uh adjudicated youth facilities um and so some of my guys would take a like a tuesday or wednesday when it was slow we had contracts with some of these locations and um, it was hard to just manage that business. And so mm-hmm. I sold the truck and got rid of it. But that's what I did with the money. I did a few things. Um, I threw a huge banquet and gave everyone who participated a, their own trophy. They got the DVD of the actual show. They got a video um, and, and all their photos that were taken throughout the whole entire process. And because I was the one who won and I was the one in the magazines and I was the one with the money and I was the one with the trophy, it wasn't fair to all the people who worked really, really hard to make that successful. So I threw a banquet. Everyone got their own trophy. I told little stories about each person before I gave them a trophy. Um, um, I was able to pay like the choreographers and I did. So I didn't do anything with the money, but reinvested and show some appreciation for uh, what they did. But the mobile truck was probably the big chunk of what I did with it. Wow. That's so amazing, man. 
it's just like just always always in service right what was that quote serve your needs by serving the needs of others first that's right <laughs> and it's amazing where he was like you know where where is this money best invested and he best invested in in, in his uh in his co-competitors you know right that's pretty just to show appreciation dude i love you man <laughs> <laughs> That's so incredible. Um, I really kind of want to, um, like, what put Tyreek on our map, right, was just his, once again, the guy that thinks about the future all the time, is just his money management and, like, how practical he makes it. And, like, this morning, like, uh, he was talking a little bit about TSW, which, which I thought was, like, really strong. And, uh, and oh, to this morning on his feed, let me, let me be clear, um, on his uh, Facebook feed or his Instagram, his Instagram live feed, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, he every was Tuesday, nine thirty a.m. Instagram live. Yeah, with Tyreek. That's Tyreek awesome. Jackson. Um. So I mean, where did you get your understanding of money? Where did you get? I mean, is it something? I mean, you kind of said how like your mom couldn't afford shoes for you guys and stuff. So where did you learn this? Who was your mentor there, or 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 how did that come about, man? So the it's interesting because when I first worked at the barbershop, uh, I was self-employed. I paid booth rent. And uh, the owner didn't take me to get my taxes done. I didn't know how, I, you know, I was, I, I didn't know. And so I didn't even pay my taxes for like three, four years. And then when I wanted to do stuff, I couldn't do anything. You know, uh, this was before 9-11. So it was a little easier to get a loan from the bank. You know, you go and you get a letter of recommendation or something. I got my first car loan. I put some money down. I bought a car off the street. It had good numbers on it or whatever. And so that worked out. Um, but then I knew I needed to grow. And so where I found some of this understanding of finance and money is my clients in a chair. Mm. When I'm sitting with someone and I'm talking to them and I was a young kid. I was 21. I had a life insurance policy when I was 21 years old. Um, and, uh, but I still didn't pay my taxes yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a client who was sitting in my chair and he began to ask me questions. He said, you're established. You got a big clientele. When are you going to open up your own shop? And I was like, man, I've been trying to pay my taxes for years. I just don't know where to go. You know, I was fresh out of high school, went to school, came into the shop, and I didn't know what steps to take. And he said, I'm going to hook you up with my, um, my CPA. I was like, great. And I sat down with the CPA, and he said, it's going to cost you this much money. He said, how much you make? How much you spend in chair rent? And I started filling out this form or whatever, doing all the stuff. And he said, all right, cool. Uh, you got to pay X amount of money in taxes. And I was like, bet. Let's get that out the way. And then he said, now, moving forward, I'd like to meet you on a regular basis. Let's figure this out. This is a sloppy way of doing it, but you got to get started somewhere. And so a lot of the stuff I learned, I learned from my clients. Um, I, would, I would sit with them. I would talk to them. I would ask them the questions. Uh, I'm more, Tariq talks Tuesday, I'm talking. Right? <laughs> but in the barbershop behind the chair, I'm listening. I'm asking the right questions. I'm listening. I'm asking the right questions. I'm listening. Yeah, I'll talk and I'll joke and I'll have fun and we'll have a great old time. But when I got somebody in my chair that has some some sort of understanding about something that I don't know and I want to learn it, I begin asking questions and I let them talk. Two things happen. I'm learning. Number The other thing that happens is that that person feels that they're important mm. because they're sharing something with me and what they got to say is important to me. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. So, so that's pretty much how I learned. And then as I be began to progress, um, 
you know, when talking with my life insurance agent, then it was like, you need to start investing. And guys, I don't have a lot of money. Like I don't have money just sitting around, like in the bank, just piled up. I always, always took my money and reinvested in the next thing. Uh, when I opened my first location, at one point I was saving like 10 grand a month. I did that for two months. I was like, there's a lot of money. It's 20 grand. What can I do with this? We opened up another location. (laughs) And that was, it was crazy because that location was draining me. I wasn't making no money. I was like, oh my God, this is the worst idea ever. (laughs) It took a while to to recover. um, And then I started working in the school and then I took the money and reinvested in it. I always was trying to, I wasn't, I'm not a guy who was like, oh, I need all this money and I got to have money saved up. No, but what I pay on my life insurance policy is important that if I die, my wife doesn't have to worry about it. Right. You know? And so I just, I just began to learn the importance of it and started doing it. Even if I didn't like it, you know, cause I look at my bank account and I'm like, man, but I know everything else is secure. Right. You know what I mean? If the barbershop catches on fire, damn, but <laughs> we got insurance, you know right. what I mean? Like it's just, it's, it, it's, it's hard to teach younger people that. And mm-hmm. I came from nothing, which was even harder because I'm used to not having anything. That's why it doesn't matter if I have money or not. You know what I mean? What I had in my home was love. What I had in my home was care. What I had was support. Uh, my mom was really, really good at making sure that we were kind to people and respectful to people. So I got all that stuff. Money wasn't a thing for us. You know what I mean? It, it just wasn't. My mom kept money under the blanket for a rainy day and she didn't understand credit. I learned it through business. Right. You know? Wow. Is your mom still a hairdresser today? She works at one of the barbershops. No, she doesn't. Yeah, I yeah. swear to you. <laughs> you want me, to, want me to tell you something real funny? Yeah. I yeah. had to send her home for a week. What? Yeah. Oh, what did mama do? Oh, she was livid. Right. <laughs> she was livid. So, that's, I had to share that with you because each one of you are thinking, you sent your mom home? Right. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking to be in the opportunity to, uh, you know, to repay the discipline. Because <laughs> I know she wore your butt out when you were young. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. she she was tough on us. But I'll tell you what, um, there was a situation that happened at the barbershop where one of the barbers was speaking profane and he was being disrespectful. He was having personal and marital problems, but he was bringing it to the shop. Mm-hmm. and my mom was like hey you know you you need to calm down why don't you go in the bathroom or just go outside take a walk and he like flipped out on her and she was like no hold on now <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean you, you need to watch who you're talking to and she, I'm trying to help you and he just kept like flipping out so he leaves he comes back and he starts flipping out he like slammed the cell phone the, uh, the shop phone down and now she's like now you're damaging property so he had enough of her talking. She had enough of him talking. He flipped down on her and she laid him out. What? Uh, not She didn't knock him out, but I mean, she laid him out. Like she, she yeah. chewed him up and let him know, yeah, like, right. you're not going. So now she was 100% in violation because now she's speaking profane. She's flipping out. She's doing all the stuff that she was telling him not to do. And um, she doesn't have a temperature control like that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do. I'm better at it. And so um, basically what happened was um, I got the phone call and they're like, yo, it's cool. It's a melee in here. You need to get in here. So I come after work, 
I'll, I'll leave it alone. I'll let the manager handle it. Right. <laughs> I come, I come mm-hmm. into the shop. I walk over. I get both of them. I said, you can go home for a week. You go home for a week. And she was like, she no, said, oh, we go outside. But I already did all the investigation first. I talked to everybody privately first, right. to the staff. I talked to each one of them first over the phone before I got to the barbershop. After doing my thorough investigation, I came home. And when I got to the shop, I said, you go home for a week and you go home for a week. My mom says, she said, I'm your mom. And I was like, and? She was like, I'm your mother. <laughs> I said, and I said, in the business, you are a functioning staff member who just so happens to be my mother. If I let you get away with everything you was telling him he couldn't do, the other nine people in the barbershop will not respect me. You got to go. It's called nepotism. If I treat you differently than I treat everybody else because you're my mom, they'll never respect me and I'll never grow and will never grow as a, as a shop. Mm. everyone's mentality be like, don't piss his mom off because he's going to get rid of you. And I wasn't trying to do that. Right. So I sent my mom home and then I, and, and then I privately talked to dude after I sent him home. I said, bro, if I talk to your mom like that, how are you going to feel? I said, I want to punch you in the mouth, but that's not good business practice. So don't talk to my mom like that ever again. That's not why you're suspended. You're both suspended for violating shop rules. Just go home. I don't want to hear from you guys for the rest of the week. Come back with a new attitude and a new mindset. And then we're going to sit down and we're going to have a conversation how this is going to move forward. If you don't like it, you can take your stuff and leave today. Right. And I said the same thing to my mom. (laughs) But she was mad at me for a few weeks. Later on, she called me crying, apologizing, and basically saying, she would have never done that to her mom, but she understands that I have a business to run. She just doesn't understand. I said, because you don't have a business to run. You don't understand. Right. And, you know, it's, it's challenging sometimes being who I am in the position that I am with the decisions that I made. I decided to hire my mom. And so I got to deal with that, you know, and I've told her time and time again, like, listen, you got to understand, like, if you, I, I don't need you to be here. It's, it's, it, I love you, you know, that doesn't change, but I don't need you to be here at the barbershop. And if right. you're going to, if you're going to make what I'm doing harder, then maybe it's better for you to go and work somewhere else. You know, we can enjoy Sundays and holidays and everything else together instead of having to be at war with one another because you don't like a shop rule. Right. And it doesn't seem like a crazy shop rule. Obviously, she understood it. So <laughs> she she did. Yeah, she's still there. She's still there. Yeah. And how, so how did that conversation go when you got mom and, and, and dude back together? They understood. Everyone understood what was what was wrong. It was a very simple conversation. He owned up to 100% of what he did. She owned up to the fact that she couldn't control her temperature. She stood on the fact that he was wrong. Mm-hmm. And and I and 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 my position was, Mom, you were one hundred percent right until you went left. You were one hundred percent right till you weren't. <laughs> yeah, you were one hundred percent right until you went left, and that messed up everything because you had one hundred percent of my support until you were doing the same exact things that he was doing. Now you're both in violation. Right. Boom. Don't mess with Mama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Mas como é o barbershop? Era mais o da chave. Mas como é o business, man? Right. Okay. Doesn't matter who you are. Wow. <laughs> awesome. So, so what's what's next? What's I mean, you've accomplished a lot, right? You, you obviously you got your your barber's license. You got your cosmetology's license. You had a a game plan. You know, you wanted to open up. Uh, a barbershop. You've done that. You wanted to be an educator. You've done that. You wanted to be a mentor. You've done that. You're a coach. You open up a, 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 a you know, premier barber institute. Uh, so now you're, you're, I mean, you're coaching and teaching and mentoring every day to a lot of young people. Mm-hmm. Um, is there, is there a new goal or a new, I mean, what's next for Tyreek? So there's, it's, you know, sometimes you got to take a step back to go forward. Um, I'm probably going to, uh, shut one of the shops down or combine them to mm-hmm. into one location instead of having two locations, just cause I don't have the, just the time or energy to re. And that's why I said, when people leave, it affects everything. And because I'm not in the shops, I can't retrain certain people. And so it's not the way that I would like for it to be done. So having one location, I still cut on Saturday. So I come into the shop on Saturday. I visit the shops weekly. Um, but I'm just not in them all day, every day. And so I haven't been full-time in my shop since 2008. Wow. So, yeah. So, and they're working, they've been very fine and successful. So I'm really focused on expanding the school. We're purchasing that building. We're expanding upstairs. We're going to open two more classrooms. We're looking at um, possibly opening um, other locations, you know, other school um, locations. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so looking for people who are, who want to open up a school that, um, fit what we want and then they would follow our curriculum our policies our standards and then i would be managing all the schools so i don't really for like a franchise type thing like somebody would like uh they they would uh okay well i guess wow so something you can't franchise but yeah that would be something it would be other locations is is what it would be and so um I would be overseeing and managing, making sure everything's right. I'm in front of the, I was in front of the students for a long time. I'm currently in front of the instructors. That's where I want to be because I want to make more of me in the classrooms. And so doing, doing more instructor training is really the space that I want to be in with, with successfully building schools. Like, you know, when I was a barber at the shop, I was the barber. When I became the barber manager, then I was apprenticing the students. When I became the shop owner, I was apprenticing and training and develop people to run the shop. When I started working at a school, now I'm in front of students again. Um, as I began to grow, then I started training the instructors. So now I'm more in front of the instructors because that helped to develop the schools. It makes the schools better. It creates a standard across the board. It becomes a premier way of doing things, not oh yeah, here's a textbook, teach them that material and they'll get it. No, I want that when someone graduates from a Premier Barber Institute school and they walk into your shop, you know that's a Premier student. And how I know that we're doing okay with that was one of our instructors is a state proctor and he was recognizing the students when they came in. Not because they had a smock with their name because you can't have that. You can't go in with any identifying like labels and stuff. But he would know that they were students from Premier by the way they conducted themselves during the exams. Boom. And so he started recognizing them and he started that. He said, hey, you're a Premier student, aren't you? And they're like, yeah. You know, and they're like, okay. So he came down to the school and introduced himself and then eventually got a job 
And he said, I want to be a part of what's happening here. He said, I've been doing proctoring for, for years. I've never seen students come to an evaluation as prepared as these students have been, and I want to be a part of that. And so now, uh, 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 the other thing about that is that's the mindset. What, what is actually happening is not just that. We have shop owners that are contacting us saying, I need two more of the last guy. I need three more of the last guy. I'm opening another location. I need four more of the last guy. And that's really the reputation that we want. Are, are we going to save all of them? No. Are they all going to be the premier type of barber we want? No, but the majority of them can be. And here's my philosophy with that is that when a student comes to the school, they're not a paycheck to me. They're not a customer. They come into my school as material. What I take is I take that material and I create something with it. They become a product. I put that product on the marketplace. The marketplace is the shop owners. When a shop owner hires a student, the shop owner is my customer. Mm. And if I'm putting good product out, then my customer wants to come back and continue to get product from me. That is just so right. You know, smart, you know, just amazing. I just lo- I, yeah. I just, I, I love the analogies. I just like your perspective, how you see it. You know what I mean? Yeah, Instead crazy. of just seeing it, just what it is, you know what I mean? You're seeing steps beyond. Yeah. And that's, uh, like a chess player almost. Yeah. Right? It's, it's pretty genius actually. It is very genius. Dude. Right. I was going to say, do you teach the, the financial lessons to your, to your students as well? So yep. they don't get into a shop and not pay taxes for three years. <laughs> yep. So, so, so um, they get the spreadsheets that I created. They get them for free. We give them business performers. They have, we do a shark tank at our school. So when a student uh, gets to the business side of the program, they have to come up with a business plan, which means they got to research a location. They got to research the cost of living in that location. They have to research and find a property. They got to Google and find a property. What square footage it is? What is it? What can they do with it? Is it commercial space? They need to do all that stuff. Well, how much is electric for the year? They're like, well, how do you find it out? You call the property, find out who the PCO, PPNL, whoever they are, and you ask them, what is the average electric bill at this location? It's public information. They'll give it to you, right? Um, what does it cost? What do you want? What are the amenities that you're providing? And they have to build a pro forma. This is what I this is what I'm invested in it. This is the location. This is what it costs to be there. There's certain things that are required from that location, maybe from the community. It's zoned, blah, blah, blah. And they give me all the information. And then they say, and I'm asking to borrow 30 grand from you because blah, 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 blah. And then we tell them no. we give them real life scenario you're going to go to the bank and the bank's going to say absolutely not okay but you're going to be way more prepared than most people going to the bank asking for a loan and so we help them then we then then did you consider the winter months did you consider the summer months did you consider your price point in that area when the cost of living and there's x amount of houses how many high schools are in that area how many um uh, um um, is there any colleges nearby? Is there, how big is the hospital? The hospital and the high school determine how, how well populated the area is going to be. Did you consider that kind of stuff? If it doesn't have anything, and then I give them this analogy. If a gas station is on, if you see 20, 20 gas stations on a strip, it's probably because that's where most of the traffic is. Right. If there's one gas station, then there's probably not enough traffic. 
right? So right. these are things I try to get them to think about, but we give them budgeting tools, we give them finance tools, they come up with a performa, they give us a, they give us, you know, year one, year two, or they give us month one, they give us month two, and we try to make sure that as they're going through progressing, they have a solid plan. Because what I don't want my students to do is fail in business. Right. I don't want them to fail in business. Like, you know, you guys know, when you're cutting hair, the haircut's only as good as the customer is going to pay for it. You know, it doesn't got to be. It doesn't have to be Instagram perfect. It doesn't have to be any of that. We teach them how to be professional. We teach them how to be business savvy, create conversation. Some certain questions you just ask to kind of probe to open ended questions and and build that rapport with your guests and your clients. And then your money. Your money's so important. We teach them so they don't default on their loans. We teach them so that that way, when they pay their loans back, it um it helps them when they got to get a car, they want to buy a home, or they want to get an established business. So we do these exercises. The other thing, we teach everything. Um, last Thursday, I did a social media class with the entire school. It started at 10.30 in the morning until 3.30 at night, in the afternoon. Wow. Like we went through lunch. We broke for lunch, and then we came back. We went from all the way from business cards all through Instagram, Facebook. I mean, we just – and we're not done. Like we got there's other steps that we got to go back and do. So it's crazy because – I know we're providing way more than what schools are offering. Most schools are focused on state board uh, evaluations and being ready for boards. You're going to get that anyway. What can we do to help you to be more successful? And if you're more successful, then the reputation becomes you're going to get a successful education over there. I had no cutability. I learned how to cut. I'm working in a shop. I'm making X amount of money. I got a budget too. I'm managing my finances. I was able to put my daughter through college. That's the reputation. That's the legacy that we want to leave with people. We don't want you to be the best barber in the shop. That's great if you do. We want you to be successful so you can take care of yourself and your family. So you don't go into debt and so that you can provide for your community. You can do, if you have, it, it's interesting. If you have more, you can do more. People say, oh, you shouldn't brag that you did homeless stuff or that you helped uh, the HIV community with their cut-a-thon or whatever. Sure, you should tell people that you did it. You know why? You create more awareness for what you got going on. You don't do it for bragging purposes. You do it so that other people can buy into what it is that you're doing. And if they buy into what you're doing, you're creating more resources. If you have more resources, then you can help more. Preach, man. Yeah. Yeah. Preach. That's, is this guy for real? I mean, legitimately, like, like you go to school <laughs> to learn how to cut hair and you leave with a degree, a PhD degree on <laughs> finance and setting your life up. Right. Right. Like you get a PhD on life when That's you right. go to Tariq school, dude. I mean, unfortunately we're an hour in and we've got a wrap, but we can do a part two. We're definitely doing a part two. Yeah. A hundred percent. Cause we didn't even get anywhere near what I wanted to talk about. You so know, look, here, here's what we do. You put a poll out to your guys and ask them what they want to hear. Done. You put, let them know, hey, guys, look, this is Tyreek. I'm here. Uh, it's your day off. Not mine, technically, but it is today. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's day off. Right. And, you know, I'm sharing. They're asking questions. We're digging deep. deep. You, you guys got stuff you want to cover. But if you're listening and you're interested in knowing something or how to get started or how to get through or how to overcome or to get established, let them know what you want to know. Email them, let them know at Hair District on Instagram and say, hey, look, 
this is what I want to know from this knucklehead you got on this live <laughs> that's, that's talking. So uh, I'm willing to help. Uh, we'll do another part two. Let's wait a little while to just create some interest and um, get people uh, curious about it. But is there anything else that you guys wanted to ask before we, you know, end? Well, well, um, yeah, there is actually, uh, and I teased it. So now I think we have to follow through. So, uh, so tell our listeners what, uh, how uh, TSW came about and what it is and what it stands for. <laughs> so in the school, in the school, I, um, I mean, just not even, if you go on Instagram, every freaking barber's got tattoos all over the place. <laughs> you know, it's almost like you're not a barber if you don't have a hand tat and a sleeve and an epic beard. You know what I'm saying? And an undercut. You know, it's like, this is like the the standard look for a barber. Right. So, so I had, I had a student just recently come in and he's, he's, he's tatted up from the neck up and he already was a guy who was tatted. Uh, I love tattoos actually. So it's not the, the problem with the tattoos, but you spend lots of money on tattoos, lots of money to look good, to be stand out, to have this artistic expression or whatever. And then you don't have a car. You got all the tattoos in the world, but you don't have a house or an apartment or you can't afford to do something that you want to do because you spend all your money on tattoos. So it's TSW is tattoos, shoes, and weed. Shoes, the barbering industry. Every show you go to, the barber's got the most expensive sneakers. They want to stand out. Nobody's got their sneakers, blah, blah, blah. I've seen it. I know it. I like sneakers. I'm into it. So it's not like I'm opposed to this. The difference is that I'm prepared for other areas in life before I buy my sneakers. You know what I'm saying? I have another business that supports my sneaker habit. I'm not cutting to buy sneakers and can't feed my kids. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so it's, ta it's, it's um, tattoo, shoes, and weed. I was talking to a client of mine who was complaining that his girlfriend was mad that he couldn't pick her up, so he needed to get his own car. Now, the guy was high out of his mind already. I'm sitting there, I'm looking at him, he's smoking weed, smoked out. And I'm like, bro, how many blunts do you smoke a day? He's like, what do you mean? Come on, man, come on, come on, come on. I said, no, I'm, I, I'm, I just want to know. And I said, do you smoke like cheap weed? Or you smoke? I don't smoke, I don't smoke, I don't drink. But I got family who does. And um, I was like, bro, how, like, realistically, he said, the, the weed I smoke is $20 a blunt. I'm like, dang, and you smoke three, that's $60 a day. He, he, he then says to me, no, it's because I sell it, I get it at the discount. I said, I don't care how you want to paint it. <laughs> if you're smoking a $20 blunt, whether you're selling it and you're getting a discount or not, it's still $60 a day at cost. Let's just be realistic. No, but I'm getting at a discount. Doesn't matter. You're blowing $60 a day. However you want to paint it is up to you. You try and justify it all you want. It's $60 a day. So I'm talking to him. And I said, let's do some simple math. That's $360 a week, right? That's $18,720 a year. You don't have a car because you blew it. And for eighteen dollars a year, that's a hell of a car. Absolutely. <laughs> what? Yeah, but he's riding his girlfriend's car. She's complaining. If he wasn't smoking weed, and spending 18 grand on your weed habit, you would be driving a pretty decent car. 18 grand a year, I'd say. Listen, if you wanted to buy a $6,000 car, then you still got some weed money. 
but you would at least have a car. <laughs> so TSW, tattoo shoes and weed, the things that I just kind of see lately most barbers are being affected by. And and you have a lot of them. That's why I said you probably caught the – you didn't get the end of the live. The big thing that then happens is these guys get in trouble with their spouses or their girlfriends or whatever. For whatever reason, they have kids. And then they got to pay child support. You know, and child support, it costs money. We did, I did a, I went while on my live, I don't know if you caught it. I pulled up a uh, um, um, child support calculator from the child support calculator website. <laughs> and you put up, you put up the money that you're making per the year. One kid, you put no income from the girlfriend because she's probably not working, whatever the case may be. Seven, $774 a month. What could you be doing with $774 a month? That's more than the guys we'd have it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You understand what I'm saying? So, right. you know, I was trying to just show these guys perspective. Like, what are you doing with your freaking money? I get it. You break up with your girl. You got to take care of your kid. Great. But where did you invest your money in tattoos, shoes, and weed? Now you, you just lost your shoes. You can't buy shoes now. <laughs> you can't buy shoes. And you can't get any more tattoos for a while till you get back up. Because now you got to spend $775 a month on this kid. That is your responsibility. But you can't do the things you enjoy doing because of a poor decision. I get it. Families break up. They separate. It is what it is. You got to take care of responsibility. But now you can't do the things you like doing, tattoos, shoes, and weed. <laughs> you right. know? Boom. Boom. It's like the real knowledge for Tariq, right. man. So it, 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 it was cool. So, I mean, we were able to see you this morning. How can How can our listeners find you or how can they, you know, watch you or you know where can he find you guys can find me on i am tyree jackson i am t-y-r-i-k jackson everything facebook instagram youtube it's all the same across the board um i kept it that way and whenever something new comes out i get it and i put i am tyree jackson even if i ain't using it because if it becomes popular then i have it you got it i'm right. thinking ahead you know new thing comes out oh new thing I am Tari Jackson, save it, lock it in, keep it moving. And that keeps it simple. So I'm not saying, oh, check me out on YouTube at this and check me out on Facebook at this. Just I am Tari Jackson. You'll find everything. That's right. And it's I am Tyreek Jackson, right? That is correct. And Tyreek is T-Y-R-I-K. Yes. Right? Tyreek Jackson. Yeah. You spelled awesome. it the same way he spelled it. Oh, good deal. <laughs> yeah, like, and, and then Jackson's like Michael, Michael Jackson. Michael. <laughs> or, or Tito or Marlon <laughs> or Janet. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I appreciate everything that you've uh, given to our listeners today. And obviously, we haven't even scratched the surface. Nope, not even. Yeah, let's do it again. I, d I also do. I write a column for Barber Evo Magazine, so um, they come up with topics, and I write a column for Barber Evo Magazine. Love it. Uh, which is awesome. It's a, it's a UK magazine. They also have one here in the United States. Um, I went over there and got to experience the barbering world. And so they like my perspectives. They like my live feeds. And so they're like, hey, usually they'll pick a live feed and say, hey, this is what we want to talk about today. Can you give us perspective different for the, for the listeners or the readers of our magazine? And that's pretty fun. But I'm excited. I'm always open. I love doing these podcasts because I'm connecting with different people. Um, it helps create content for you guys. I'm just serving my needs by serving your needs. Brother, love that. Mr. Tariq Jackson, thank you very, very much for joining us on your day off.
Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> Yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, That's cool. I think you can find... Actually, you can. You can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>